0: because I think the period movement is really important and inspiring. It's something I've never heard of. And it goes to show how much we need to learn more about the struggles of administrators and get their voice out. I also love the chapter club for period at my school and what we do, and it feels great being hands-on in something and doing something and actually seeing the results of what you're doing and how you're helping others. Hi everyone, welcome and welcome back to Gen Rise Media, the podcast. I wanted to talk about the period movement and what it is, who founded it, and what their goal is. So basically, I would say the period movement has three basic goals. Firstly, one of the reasons why it was founded is to provide feminine products for those who can't afford them or for those that don't have the products accessible to them. Secondly, it's also trying to get rid of the tampon tax and we'll talk about that later and what it is Lastly, I think this is really important. It also strives to end the stigma around periods and to support menstruators and their struggles So I wanted to talk more about Nadia Akamoto and who the founder of period is She started Period at sixteen, before it was called Camions of Care, she was sixteen and she was homeless from during her freshman year, and she did not live in a homeless shelter. I don't think so, but she stayed with friends her mom had. On her two-hour commute to school, she would talk to homeless women and menstruators on the streets and learned about their story. And she learned a lot about how, what they did when they didn't have access to these feminine products because they're so expensive. And she learned about their stories. And as she learned and heard more of these, she started to want to help those women. And she started making care packages with pads and tampons and giving them out to those in need or couldn't afford them and she started getting more and more people to help her and it soon became a movement so far period has served over 1 million periods for people in need so back to nadia's story i said that she was 16 when she first founded period and she started off completely not knowing what a non-profit organization was, or how she was even going to start off this movement. But this story is just so inspirational, and especially to anybody out there who wants to start something. If you see something that needs to be spoken up for, a problem that's being ignored, even if you have no idea how to get that voice out, if there's a will, there's a way, right? So exactly what Nadia did she met up with her friends in a Starbucks when she was 16 and they sat down and they started researching about how to start a nonprofit and how everything works and that weekend she started giving out 20 packages a week and then 40 packages another week and now she's given out about 13 million products but this just is unbelievable and it just shows how dedication and just having a voice is so powerful and what an impact you can have. Her organization started off with nothing and then now it's helped so many women and menstruators around the world get access to products and basically it's a human need. And Nadia, it was able to help so many people with this one idea that started when she was 16. So moving on from Nadia Akamoto, I wanted to go back to what I was saying about period's main goals. And one of the biggest ones is ending the tampon tax as it's called. And really the tampon tax is basically the luxury tax or sales tax on tampons. Now, luxury taxes are taxed on goods that are considered non-essential. So things like chapstick and even condoms don't have sales tax on them, but period products do. And this is one of the most important goals of the period organization to end this because period products are already very expensive, and add on the tax it builds up. As of February 2020, only eight states in the United States has eliminated the tampon tax or the sales tax on feminine hygiene products, and these states are Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Ohio, Nevada, New York, Rhode Island, Utah, And California has a temporary ban until 2023. So just to show how impactful this sales tax can be on period products for menstruators, according to CNN, in a recent study, one in five teenagers have struggled to attain period products and have not been able to buy them and one in four teens has missed school because the unavailability of these products. Now this is coined as period poverty when you're unable to buy hygiene products. And studies have shown that period poverty has been one of the leading causes of why girls are absent in school And there's studies that show that women would rather miss a class or not go to school because the lack of tampons and pads and menstrual products. This tax is really negatively impactful because there's studies that have shown how it unproportionately affects women of color and women in poverty. And not to mention that these products, these feminine products used by half of the world's population, they're a basic necessity, and they shouldn't have to be taxed like luxury goods. And they're, this luxury tax is basically branding it as that they're not a necessity to menstruators when they are, and they shouldn't be taxed as like the tax taxes washes and cars, and which are not basic necessities, but these products are needed by women to maintain their hygiene and to stay safe. Using tampons for over a certain amount of time can lead to toxic shock syndrome, and it's really unhealthy and can lead to more diseases. Something really interesting, one of the Californian assembly women, Christina Garcia, said was that women are being taxed for being women. And I think this is really interesting because it just goes to show how periods are not something we can control and it's a biological function. We really have no control over it and women and menstruators shouldn't have to be taxed and pay this extra money for something they need. Like to even show how unfair the tampon tax is, you can compare something that's considered a necessity for men, such as a condom, to something that's a necessity for women, like a pad. And back to what I was saying before, I mentioned how condoms aren't taxed. They're exempted from the sales tax, but tampons and pads aren't. Also, another really important thing is that This bill is coming slower than it should be because nobody really wants to talk about it. Nobody really wants to speak up against the taboo of periods and how uncomfortable it is, especially because it's not deemed as something clean or something that people want to be talking about. There's definitely a stigma around periods and it makes menstruators and women not want to speak up about the struggles of menstruating and the pain and the inconvenience behind it because there's the lack of feminine hygiene products. In another really interesting quote by Christina Garcia, she says that, quote, the reality is these institutions of power are male dominated. It's either they're not thinking about it or they're afraid to approach it. Quote. This is really impactful because it just shows how far behind we need to catch up to help menstruators in need because girls are still missing school and women are still dying from diseases caused by lack of these hygiene products. So that's basically it for the tampon tax and the summary of it. And one of the main goals of the period organization to end this harmful tax. Moving on, I wanted to talk about the second goal of the period organization, which is to end the stigma around periods and break down the barriers for menstruators to talk about their problems and struggles, which we already sort of touched upon. But I think we can go deeper to that. For the stigma around periods, I've heard a lot of stories about how women in other countries are still forced down to the traditional cultures and how they have to leave their village for a few days when they're menstruating and then come back when they're done. And I think this all goes back to the taboo of periods and the cultural and the historical aspects of it. It's been seen as an abomination in some cultures and in some points of history. And it's been seen as some, it's also been seen as the devil entering a menstruator's body. And it's been seen as a lot of other things that I want to talk about. An interesting story I found when I was researching about this was a Chinese swimmer, Fu Yun Hu. When she was swimming in the 2016 Olympics, she announced that she had her period publicly. And a lot of people went to social media and started posting about how they didn't know. They were unaware that somebody could swim and be on their period at the same time. And this uneducated population leads to the stigma around periods and the taboos around it. And I came across this interesting fact that only 2% of menstruators use tampons in China. So according to The Guardian, it's reported that Chinese people think that tampons can cause health issues. And there's also the issue around the false taboo that tampons can break your hymen. Which is totally untrue, but this just shows how uneducated the population is in sex-ed. And it shows why the stigma is still around and why people still aren't more aware of these problems. Just to put that into perspective, and just to show how far this taboo runs into history, In a Los Angeles Times article, they wrote that China made 85 billion sanitary pads last year and not one tampon. Another interesting cultural taboo is in India. According to the Hindustan Times, in 2016, they reported that some women aren't allowed to go into the kitchen or practice rituals because they're on their period. Also, there's a practice in Nepal where women are, they have to go into exile during their period because it's considered unclean. This practice has led to a lot of deaths and health issues, especially because these are young girls, these are young girls, uh, you know, in a hut alone, and sometimes they can They're vulnerable to assault. They can get hurt, but no one can help them because they have to be in exile. However, this practice was fortunately banned and made illegal by the Nepal government in 2017. But women are still going into exile during their period because it's really deep into their culture. And even though women are aware of the risks and there are and they are aware that they have rights, their people still are con people still are continuing to do it because these practices have been so embedded into their culture and the and even though the law is made illegal, they're still voluntarily doing it and this goes back to how, you know, the law can only do so much. It can put a punishment on the crime, but really the practice and the ideology behind it will take generations to change. And especially the taboo and stigma around, around periods are going, going to take a while to change. A story that caught mainstream media's attention was in December of 2019. So this was about a year after this law came into effect. A man, Chhatra Root, I might be pronouncing this wrong, sorry, was taken into custody by the Nepal police for questioning after his sister-in-law, Parbati Raut, who was 21, was found dead in a menstruation hut, hut I got this from an article published by NPR.org. So she died of smoke inhalation. And this this man was taken into custody because the police wanted to know if he was the one that forced her to go into the exile and practice this illegal act. So even though this practice is still happening, I think this arrest which was the first arrest based on this law is a good sign that things are moving in a positive direction that people are taking this seriously and really trying to break down the taboo around periods and especially the practices that can lead to death and other harmful issues according to saruna gamir who's a sociologist. She grew up in Nepal and she firsthand handed experienced this taboo that happens in her home when she was uh, when she was menstruating, she wasn't able to she wasn't able to touch food, open the faucet because according to the taboo menstruating women can only eat and drink when it's offered to them she also couldn't uh play with her brothers or watch tv with her dad so all these stories i wanted to share because i feel like they all tie in together about how we should recognize that the stigma and taboo is there and we also should use this chance and use our voice to show that it doesn't have to be this way and i hope these stories explained why the tampon tax and why the stigma is not overcome yet because the lack of voices speaking out against these inhumane practices that can also lead to death and also other horrible health issues And to tie everything back in, the last part of this podcast, I wanted to talk about what, like, what actions the period movement does, what specifically it does, and the specifics behind what they do. So, period works with a bunch of different hygiene products, companies, such as Always, Thinks, Tampax, um, the on flow flow living uh, and there's a bunch more and they work with these companies where they get their products and in turn they can make their care packages that they would distribute to menstruators in need so what they give out is called a period pack and in it it has nine tampons and six pads and this should um suffice for one menstrual period of course it's different for everybody but i think this is great for for starters and that it can provide some sort of relief for women who don't have them or can't afford them and it really takes the stress and burden off of them also another really great thing they did was the period rally and they had their first one on october 19th 2019 there were a total of 61 rallies in 50 states and five countries it was a great huge march and basically the idea was to show menstruators their support to end the tax to end period poverty and the taboos and stigma around it it was a great success and from the period website it said that they were trending on twitter United States and there were five presidential candidates that endorsed national hashtag national period day. So this just amazes me because it really shows how far this movement has become and how far menstruators have come to show their voice and to get rid of the uncomfortableness around periods and even though it might be disturbing to talk about, it shouldn't be, and that's why it's so important to end this stigma. An ongoing campaign they have right now is because of the COVID-19 crisis, and there's a petition about making hygiene products, quote, a federal emergency management agency grant, to make it a under part of that grant, and... The petition also states that one in four menstruating individuals struggled to afford period products. And now, with people getting laid off and not having jobs, I think it's more important than ever that these menstruators have a voice and not be afraid to voice their struggles and concerns, especially during this extremely stressful and hard time for everyone. And this kind of leads me to my last point and how we can support this movement and show that these menstruators aren't alone, that we know their struggle, and we can hear their voices, which is one of the best things about social media and connecting people. There's a bunch of ways you can help this movement. On the period website, you can donate. And there's also many ways that don't require spending money, which I know can be hard. Um, There's learning about the period movement, learning about the struggles, and opening yourselves up to the stories that these menstruators offer. And basically educating yourself about these taboos and stigmas. And you can all make a difference by breaking down the stigmas and talking about it, talking about the struggles. You can also sign the petition that's going on right now to make feminine hygiene products under the grant. You can learn more about it on period.org. You can also follow them on Instagram if you're interested. Their username is periodmovement. Interesting side note, there's a movie called Period End of Sentence and you can watch it on netflix and i'm pretty sure it's free on youtube right now the short documentary follows a group of women in india and the description in netflix states in rural india where the stigma of menstruation persists women make low-cost sanitary pads on a new machine and stride toward financial independence this film not only breaks down period taboos but also empowers women and I feel like this is great representation of menstruators and really opens into the life of the struggles and the issues around periods. These are all great ways and resources you can educate yourself and others on the menstrual movement and how we can help those who don't have a voice. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about my personal experience in one of the Period Chapter Clubs. In case you didn't know, Period has opened a bunch of chapter clubs around the world. So if you're in a school or a college, you can register and open a Period Chapter Club. And I know Period has a bunch of them all around the world. In my club, I joined around last year in September. So in the club, we first learned about the movement. We got familiar with it. We watched a lot of videos about Nadia Akamoto and what she did, her story. We also had a lot of chats about periods and how it has affected us, our stories about it. It was really eye-opening and these videos and talks really showed me how much we really don't know about the struggles behind closed doors because no one really openly talks about it when like they're really struggling. We also did a lot of hands-on fundraising things. We would have a big sale about every two months. Also, we just had another fundraiser in February where we did something for Valentine's Day, and we also got a lot of funds from it. Although the club was cut short because of the COVID crisis and we can't be able to meet together as a group, but we were planning to, at the end of the year, to gather all our funds and make period packs like Nadia Akimoto and her movement. We would make packs and we would go to homeless shelters and give them to menstruators in need. Personally, I never heard of the period movement before I joined the club. And the club was also new. It was when I joined, it was the second year. And I never really thought about what homeless menstruators had to go through and what they did during their menstruating week. All in all, I just wanted to stress how important it is to speak up about your struggles if you have during menstruating, not to be embarrassed about it and to break down the stigma around it and just educate yourself about this issue, about this worldwide issue and learn about how you can make a difference So that's it for this podcast. Thank you for listening and hope you guys have a great day.